0: song is called "He's Calling." He's calling. Well, if you ever been feel the God's Spirit talking to you before you were saved, I mean, it just, it just, you just tremble inside, and then finally you come to realize the Lord, the Lord is your Savior. And what a relief! And this is solo song. On the O'er sea shores of Galilee When he said, Peter, come to me He was calling Love came calling To the dead man Lazarus in the grave They said he came too late to say But he was calling Love came calling. Love came calling like a warm embrace. Every doubt and fear erased, he was calling. Mm-hmm. Love came calling like a faithful friend never be the same again. He was calling. Oh, love came calling. She lived a life with such regret beyond the pain of grace, and yet he was calling. Love came calling. Through the veil of tears and bitter pain She heard the spirit so clear and plain He was calling Love came calling Love came calling with a warm embrace Every doubt and fear erased He was calling Love came calling like a faithful friend You'll never be the same again He was calling Oh, love came calling Before I ever knelt down Before He turned my life around He was calling Love came calling Oh, he was calling. Love came calling. Amen.
1: Amen. All right, got a quick clip on to show you, and uh, the sound should be on channel five, brother Jeff. This is uh, a a. encouragement clip to uh... those of you who are not already involved in a sunday night bible study uh, again you've seen that uh, some of you have seen uh... about the making of the movie courageous and is about that this is about the bible study and uh... this bible study is being taught by brother on sunday night by brother robert Matson in what we call the instructional btc class It's just a uh, we kind of have three different flavors on Sunday night. We have a class that goes through the quarterly. Uh, we have a class that normally Miss Francis is going through a Bible, going through a book of the Bible. And uh, then we have different topical studies that are going in the, on in the instructional class. And uh, that's the normal things that they study. If some of you uh, come to church on Sunday morning, and I thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being in God's house on Sunday morning. But I encourage you to come back and be involved on Sunday night. Sunday night is where you say, I, I need to take it to the next level. I need to, I need, I need a little bit more Bible study. I need a little bit more foundation in my Christian life. Because if you're not living it, uh, outside these walls, uh, it's all it is is because you're not plugging into the greatest power source there is, and that's Jesus. Just plug into him. Just plug into him. And uh he will encourage you. It's tough. It's tough to live outside these four walls for the Lord. All right. Let's um <clears throat> let me unmute that. And uh let uh make sure it's looking all right. Okay. And this is just encouragement about why. Have this Bible study, uh and then uh uh get ready, uh brother Robert Matson, since you teach in the class, you're gonna be the first one up in my tag team preaching this morning. Okay? All right, okay.
2: behalf of Sherwood Pictures, we want to share with you an exciting opportunity that's coming your way. We've taken the movie Courageous, clips from the movie, and scriptures, and we've put together a four-week series that talks about how to have a courageous faith. You know, one of the things that I think we would all admit is that we could do better as parents, as families. We want to do better, and the four-week study is going to help you, but not only that, every one of you knows someone who's hurting right now. Every one of us, in every church I've ever been in, we know somebody, a neighbor, a friend, a family, a work associate. They're they are on the verge of divorce. They don't know how to relate to their kids. They don't know how to turn things around. And with these clips and, and with this Bible study, I, I believe we're going to put some tools in your hands that will help you. And so uh, we want to encourage you on behalf of Sherwood Pictures, we want to encourage you to just... Take the step of reaching out and inviting somebody to come and join you in the journey. And you can say to them, hey, you know what? I need help in my family and in my marriage. Why don't you come sit with me and maybe we can learn something together. And so as we make this material available to you, please take advantage of the opportunity to touch somebody else's life while God is using it to touch your life. We looked at the many principles the Lord had taught us while working on this project, praying about it over the course of a year. And we asked ourselves if we had to boil it down to about four principles, what would those be? So we cut any and all fluff. And we boiled it down to how how do you fight for your family courageously? How do you set the right priorities and values for your walk with God, for for the lives of those in your family? How do you protect your family? And how do you leave a godly legacy? Those are the kind of topics we're gonna cover in this four-week series, and we would tell you uh, to prioritize this time. Every one of us wanna be a better person, a better parent, and to walk with the Lord courageously. So we invite you to join us in this four-week Bible study, and we truly believe it will make a difference in your walk.
0: It has often been said that one man or one woman with courage is a majority. And so we're praying as a team for you that you'll have that kind of courage as you prayerfully consider being a part of this Bible study,
2: I will.
1: not that a great looking group as our church camp where at our last meeting? All right. <clears throat> well, go ahead and uh, make your way up here, Brother Robert. Tag Team Preaching. You can talk about that if you want to for a little bit. It's showing this thing is charged up and ready to go. Before I let you speak, let me set it up, okay? It'll be real easy because I've heard you talk about this before. Okay. The very first part of my morning sermon this morning, the very first point, is what do we need to know as we're going to the Promised Land? And it's talking about knowing your commander right before... Joshua led the people of Jericho or excuse me the people to conquer Jericho there was a theophany which means it's a fancy word to say a pre-birth appearance of Jesus several times in the Old Testament God took on flesh kind of like Jesus God in the flesh and guess what happened to Moses before he led the people children of Israel there was the burning bush experience remember that? Well, also, here, Moses, excuse me, Joshua has a burning bush type experience, and he, had, he was already saved, but God gave him encouragement by having this meeting, and it says that he saw a man. I'm in Joshua 5:13, Joshua 5:13. He saw a man over with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went, on, went unto him and said, "Are you on our side, or are you with our adversary?" And he said, "Well, nope, But as captain of the host of I am host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face and did worship. And he said, "What saith my Lord unto his servant?" And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, "Loose thy shoes from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy." And Joshua did so. Which is this? That was Jesus. God, an angel has never let a man worship him. It wasn't an angel. It was God in the flesh, in a, pre, in a bodily form. And a uh, matter of fact, he said, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. And just in about uh, five minutes or less, uh, Robert, I just want you to tell me about, it says, know your commander, tell me about whenever you were saved and, uh, and just what happened at that time in your life. And uh, if you want to throw in about the, the Bible study, you can. And so will let you do that. Either one. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah.
3: Okay. Um, well, I just, I, I actually did not know that I was coming up here this morning, so, um, kind of shooting from the hip. Uh, um, but that's, that's alright. When I was, um, I was, I was from the state of California and we had, I had some people that were a lady particularly that was witnessing to me uh, about Jesus Christ. She was a neighbor and um she was steady at it. She came to my wife and I every single day telling us about about the Lord and um he said keep this down to 5 minutes so uh time time rolled on and we got to the point where Uh, People were starting to come out of everywhere that I turned Telling me about Jesus Christ On the job site uh, In the store Everywhere that I went There were Christians And this is in the state of California Which is not the Bible Belt Which people do not witness in California (laughs) But they were coming And so she came one time and I was getting nervous And I said okay What do I need to do and she said, well, let's pray. Are you ready to accept Christ? And I said, sure am. And she said, let's pray. So we prayed a prayer. And um, that evening I threw away all my uh, mess that I had in the house, paraphernalia and stuff like that, because I was living the world. And uh, the next morning I got up and I said, whew, I'm glad that's over with. And I brought all that stuff back in. You see, what she did, though, was that she planted a seed, which is what we're all supposed to be doing. We're not out here witnessing in order for people, for us to save people. We are witnessing for Christ to save us. Amen. Okay. And uh, time rolled on, a few years. We moved to the state of Louisiana. And Anita's mother and father had uh, started going to church, and they were saved. And so we started going, and they said, come to our Baptist church. And I was like, okay, whatever. We're going to come to a Baptist church now. I was raised Lutheran, which we did not attend church really regularly as when I was raised. But So I didn't know what a Baptist church was. And I said, the minute somebody lays their hand on me and sticks their hand on my head, I'll probably turn around and slap him. <laughs> but nobody did that. And everybody was normal. And the preacher preached Jesus Christ. And I was hearing the same thing 2,000 miles away that I heard. Well, I was hearing the same thing in Louisiana that I heard in California. And then it started to, wow, this there could really be something to this. There could actually be something to this. So I started paying attention and then um, just through the preaching of the word and coming to church and being hungry to hear and coming in Sundays, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and then talking with people and, and people telling me about Christ, I said, you know what, I need Christ. And I tell you, when he saved me, he saved me. (laughs) <laughs> Amen. You know, his word tells us that, behold, you're as a new man, you're a new person. If, if I were to spend another 20 minutes there, I could tell you about, about my life and about the things that I was into. I did not need an AAA meeting to stop me from doing the things that I was doing. It's all I needed was Jesus Christ. And all those desires went away. Um, You know, this is kind of a funny story, but every single Christmas, my wife and I would argue (laughs) about the Christmas tree of all things, how we were going to set it up. And after we were saved that Christmas, we put that thing up and then we sat back and we laughed. Because we said, you know what, we did not fight. We didn't have an argument about where, to, you know, a, a petty argument about where to put the Christmas tree. Just simple little things like that that Jesus Christ can can change your life. And uh, I had the opportunity then to raise our kids in a in a Christian home. And to go along with the study, you know. Um, I don't know, Christ just took us and helped us helped us to raise our kids. Courageous living means living for Christ 24 hours a day, not just on Sunday morning. Not just here. But when we go home, because your kids see that. Those of you who have kids at home still will see that. Those of you who are about to have kids that aren't married yet, but will have be married someday and have kids... Remember, always remember to live Christ in your home, not just in church. He's real. He's real. And he demands, you know, he demands our attention, he demands our lives. Um, If you're a grandparent, you know, this study will even help you if you're a grandparent, to be the grandparent you need to be. To let those kids see Christ living in you when they come to visit you, you know, and it takes courage. And we were talking this morning in Sunday school class, uh, we were, we were um, in Ephesians, and it kind of tied in with, with our night class some, and I just happened to share that. It does take courage to raise your kids the way they are to go. Because, you know, parents seem to be nowadays that they're afraid of their kids. So it does take courage to tell them which way they need to go. And if we aren't doing it, it's because we're lazy. I'm going to shoot straight with you. It's because we're lazy and complacent. And we really don't love Christ like we should. Because if we did, we would want our kids to follow in that line. And that takes discipline and courage on our part. So, thank you. Amen.
1: Thank you. Thank you, brother. Perfect. The... um... The next part, and knowing you're calling, is uh, God gave Joshua a plan. And at this time, if they wouldn't mind, I'm going to ask, uh, now it's Luanne's turn, and also Jimmy Stale's turn. I'm going to ask both of them to come on up. Y'all just ease on up here. Y'all can handle it. I'm right here beside you. All right. It says, and Jericho was shut up. And they had some tremendous walls around there. And God came up with a plan to defeat Jericho. And this plan included for six days, and this plan is in verses 1 through 5 of Joshua 6. March around the city for six days, one lap, and carrying the ark and the priests. And that ark represents the presence of God. Which means this, is that God's presence goes before his people and it's God that gives victory, not man. Okay? Seven days, you'll march around it seven times and then you'll shout a great shout. And you know what, you know what Joshua did? He said, that sounds crazy, but you're, it's your plan, God. I'm going with it. All right. And uh, uh, Jimmy, I'll let you go first and then Miss Luann. You want the microphone or this one? Okay, I'll tell you. Just stand right here. You're just gonna. First of all, I wanna ask, uh, who are you married to right now? I'm glad you said right now.
4: Miss <laughs> Pam Stale.
1: Okay. Well, let me ask you this, Jimmy, and just in your own words. And and I know because I've talked with Luann about this, and I've talked with you about this, both. Of us, I didn't. Ha- I just accidentally picked these people. I was praying about it during Sunday school because of my voice. And other people were praying for me, too. And, you know, before you married Pam, basically, you've got a decision to make. I mean, you oh. are single, you know, you're not married. And uh, let me ask you this. Do you think it was God's will for you to marry Miss Pam? Yes, sir. Okay. And let me ask you this, just in your own words, share with me any thoughts, share with us any thoughts that you believe that God helped plan or open the door for you to spend the rest of your life with Miss Pam? Out loud.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know it was God's plan. Uh, I made a lot of bad decisions in my life. Especially after I got a divorce. Uh, uh, I kind of drugged Promised Land through it because I was a member here. And uh, at the same time, I had a 14-year-old son that was living with me. And he got to see my life as we lived it uh I also had a 7 year old son that was living with his mother first of all uh I got married to Ann um she was my first wife she was a member of this church uh I was 18 years old she was like 16 of years old when we started dating she was 18 when I got married to her and I was 22 so we weren't children. She, she was still a child at 18. I call them. Uh, of course, anybody under the age of 40 is children. Than me now, but uh and I hope our grandkids don't get married till they're 30, but they'll be old maids by then. So, but we're we're talking to them right now. But I made a lot of bad decisions after that divorce, and we fell out of love. And I don't know how you do that. It just part of your life dies, uh and you drift apart, Uh, and I've I've talked to people since then that's, that's going through divorces or thinking about going through divorces, and I tell them not to do it. If it's any way possible, stay in that marriage, but at the same time, if you drag your kids through a long life of misery, then you're doing them a disservice too, and I'm not advocating divorce. I'm just talking from my point of view. Uh, God puts you together, and you're supposed to stay together. But it's, whenever you go through that part of your life, and you do have a divorce in your family, and you do get remarried because God helps you find that spouse, which he did me in Pam's case, uh, then you have a mixed marriage, a blended, which our pastors preached on before, those blended families have to be united as, as far as through Christ and through the church. So, um, and both sides of that family are watching you still. Grandkids watch you, the grown ups watch you, your church is watching you. It's a wide open thing. It's a it's a sin that it's in your life that everybody knows about. But it's also, if you live long enough, it's in your past. And you have to live in the present. You have to go on with your life. And those mistakes that you make in your past, you, you have to get over them. Uh, but there's still sins that's in your life that people see. And they watch your reactions to how you live through that or how you progress in your life. Uh there's lots of grown ups in this church right now that were whenever uh Ann and I were going through a divorce, they were kids. And they've in in those years they've remarried. I mean, they've married, excuse me. And they're staying faithful to their spouses and but still I'm hoping that what I went through and what I pulled my kids through and what Pam went through and what her kids went through, that that strengthens their marriages. And it strengthens our church to accept people that are have, do, have been through divorces and that do have a blended family. Uh, and we have people here that didn't go through the divorce. Their, their spouses died and they've remarried. Uh, God's plan is is not for you to be single. I think I think you. I love married life. I'm, I love my first marriage, and I hated being single at the age of forty years old. So, and I I love the settled part of being married, the the having that partner to share things with. Uh. But the best thing about it was that we could live in a we we. We're married, and we're in the same church of the same faith. And we help each other by doing that. And, we, we you know, I think we're, uh, we help our kids by doing that and being faithful to God through, through that church, not just being faithful out of church. And that's, that's kind of an oxymoron, faithful out of church. But there's a lot of people that don't go to church that claim they're faithful to God. But to be faithful to God, you have to be in that church, a part of the church. Um, We know a church is a called-out assembly, and that's a called-out assembly is is a gathering of of all mixtures of people in the same church in one one mind, and that's under Christ, and studying His Word, and promoting His Word through our actions. And you, even if you go through a divorce, or you go through. Alcoholism, drugs, uh, pornography, whatever you go through in your life, when you come out on the other side, if you're in Christ, then people tend to forget the bad things about you and they look at your life that you're living now and what you're living in. And so that's what we have to do as Christians. We have to, and that's why God calls what we're living in now the present because it's a gift and it's a gift to us to to kind of give to others and to pro- promote Christian life and promote Christian in our communities after we leave this place of worship, and that's the way. I guess that's what you wanted. Yes,
1: sir. Thank you, Pleasure. Thank you. All right, Luanne, your turn.
4: I'm sure, I'll
1: And uh, I just want to ask number one: You know, who are you married to today? And Tell us about God's plan, about how God brought Robert into your life.
5: Okay. I, like Jimmy, you know, have been married before. I was married 25 years to Marin, and all of you knew him. We have two children, and we attended church. Marin worked shelf work. Um, we were regular in church. But things just kind of got in the way, and, like, Jimmy, I guess we just grew apart. That was one of the worst things I guess I've ever been through in my whole life. Um, Not only did it affect me so, I never realized it was affecting my children. The things that you do with your children... From when you have them until even today, and my oldest is fixing to be, Stuart's fixing to be 32, it will stick with them the rest of their life. We thought, or I thought, that everything that I taught Stuart would instill in him, would stay in him, and this is, I guess, the mother's dream. Well, If you do not instill and make that strong impression with your children, something or someone else will. Today, I know my son is a Christian because I was there when he asked Christ into his heart. He is an epistle priest. I know that the things that he teaches, some of them are not what should be taught. But at 32 years old, what can I do but pray for him? Because he's made his decisions just like your children will do. After my divorce with Marin, I had another marriage, and it was... We can't even talk about that one. After that marriage... I was ready to just, I went to Mother, and I said, Mother, this is it. I will never marry again. I'm dedicating my, Christ, my life totally to Christ, and I never, ever, ever, ever will put myself through another marriage. This is it. Well, then I met Robert Matson. When we went out to eat and meet each other the first time, they brought our food, and Robert blessed the food, And I was like, this is the first time in my whole life this has happened. My first thought was, I want to marry this man. I didn't even know him. I didn't know anything about him. But then the more that he talked, Robert lost his first wife in a real sudden death after surgery. And his testimony to me was just like, I guess exactly what I had looked for. I was raised, as all of you know, in a Christian home. I think I have the best Christian mother and father in the world. And that is a person's dream, to have those parents that can teach you. And it wasn't, Daddy's thing was, if you have to ask me, can you do it, then you probably know you can't do it. It wasn't like I walked a chalk line, but we just knew what to ask and what not to ask. That's the type of family that I was raised in. I did not raise my kids in that same family. One reason, and nothing against the kid's dad, because he is a very special person and he is their dad. But he was not that strong Christian father. And that is what this book, this study is about. Fathers that have kids, you need to be there and lead them in the way. Don't tell them the way. It is easy for me to sit up here and tell you something. But when you show them by what you're doing, by your actions, by what you say, by what you do, the life you live, that's where your kids are going to follow. And we have talked, Robert and I, about this book. I have been, this study. I guess since I met Robert and I have a partner that I can talk with about God that I can worship God with, I mean, I am like a totally different person. I wake up in the morning, and I want to get back in my Bible study to see what's going on. I used to wake up and worry about everything else that was going to happen. When you get your life straight, when you depend on God all the time, not just when you need Him, you have to depend on him for everything you do. Then that's when that things start working in your life. I thank God every day of the week for Robert Matson. I hope we live to be a hundred, but if we don't, I will still cherish every moment that I can spend with a good Christian husband. Kids, if you have a good Christian daddy, appreciate them. Thank them now. And if you are not that Christian daddy that you should be, my prayer today is that you will be burdened enough to not just come to this study because Robert's doing it, because it's a thing at the church on Sunday night, but that you will know one day, if you don't, you're going to be like me because I wonder every day, was there one thing I could have done to have changed Stuart Craig's life? And I will always wonder that. So me as a mother, I, my prayer is that you will never, ever have the feeling that I have every day. And this book will give you the opportunity to clear your mind and to know without a shadow of a doubt you have done everything while your children are at home.
1: Thank you. Robert and Jimmy and Luann, I'm going to ask uh, Caleb and Hayden to come up here now. The next part of the sermon, and I know we're going a little bit over, so I hope you don't mind. And uh, in Joshua chapter 6, it said they went into Jericho and he said, just listen, you need to obey me. This, This harmed them later. And uh, you don't need to do you don't need to take any of the accursed stuff, which basically means uh um, just obey the Lord, obey the Lord, and uh that's verses fourteen through twenty, and that there would be consequences for not obeying the lord and uh Caleb, I'll let you go first just stand right here and uh Caleb, have you ever got a whipping, yes. Have you ever got a whipping you didn't deserve? No. All right, I gave him a chance. And, uh, well, let me ask you this. Do you think there's ever been a time that you might have deserved a whipping, but you didn't get one? Yes. Do you know what that's called? called mercy. And uh, sometimes parents give it, but God will give it if you ask Him. And uh, yes, there are consequences for your actions, aren't there? Yes. All right, just step right aside. All right, Hayden. Your turn. That's my nephew, Hayden. That's Karen's brother's son. And uh, I'll claim it. Have you ever got a whipping? Yes, sir. Okay. So your dad, Michael, we call him Mike Wilkes. He's whipped you before Oh yes, sir. Oh yeah. Did, did you deserve that whipping that you got? Yes, sir. Okay. Was there ever a time that you might can think of that you should have got a whipping but you didn't get one? Yes. Sir. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank y'all, young. Sit down. And so there are consequences, and these boys, I know they both. I know they both get whippings. They they both get discipline. And strong discipline. And I've often preached this. If you say, well, I'm punishing my child. If it does not inflict pain upon them, it's not punishment. Now that pain later on may be taking away a cell phone, other things like that, the keys to the car. But do you have guts enough to stick to it and not whimper down? And, uh, you know, when a parent weighs 200 pounds and the son weighs 100 pounds, I'm going to win. All right? And uh I'm gonna be the but the thing is size doesn't matter. That's just an illustration. Can do you have the courage to be a parent and do not give in to what other people do? You parent your kids and grandkids the way the Bible says to. All right. Thank y'all again. Uh brother Jeff, if you could make your way up here. The last point in the sermon, and thank y'all for helping me save my voice is this, is that uh, Rahab made a choice late in life. Kind of like Robert, I could have swapped these roles either way, but uh, I just was going on a prayer and a whim, like y'all have seen me do before. And um, Rahab made a choice to accept the God of Israel. And uh, she said, that's not the way I was raised, but I've heard of your God, and I want your God, and I trust your God. And so, Brother Jeff, I know you were saved a little bit later in life. You weren't saved at 9 or 10. And just share about, you know, God, in his own way, made a way for you to get saved. And just share that on your heart.
6: Wow. Wow yeah I was about fifteen when I was saved and um and it was it was a time when um, you know my I, I was at the age I could really get into some some bad things and um, one day I was out in the yard and uh we were in revival at our church at snyder and of course we didn't go a lot but uh, and then all of a sudden my brother he comes to me. And I could see this excitement on his face and my brother had been saved earlier and and um and he just you know, and I could just see this on his face and I can still see it now, you know. And he come to me and he told me, he says, you know, you you've gotta you gotta get saved. You know, you just gotta get saved. And uh so I said, Well, you know, all right, you know, I'll I'll you know, what I need to do and the evangelist and the preacher at our at the church there at Snyder was at my uncle's house and and uh and I went in and of course they got me and they talked to me and and uh kind of got kind of got me to understand you know where I was in my life and and the change that I need to make and uh Of course, my brother was standing there and my cousin and and um and and it was just something about all these things that they were saying would just really got my attention. And and I knelt there and I asked Christ to save me. And um after that um things were really confusing. And uh and I can tell you still as an adult there's a lot of things about it that are confusing. And I think it's that way for a reason is because God wants you to continually search and search and search. We talked about this morning in Sunday school class that uh, you know, not being um uh satisfied that we should always be looking, you know, what God wants us to do, you know, no matter what age we are. Um the comfort that I find now in that is that I knew my brother was saved. And uh, and he lost his life at a young age. And you know, and, and I think about, uh, some of the things that I could say to him now, you know, that I can't. And it's one of the reasons that I find such a, a passion to talk to our teenagers. Because there's a lot of things that I need to say that I should have said earlier. But, uh, the problem was then is that, uh, even after I was saved, uh, I just didn't, I just didn't live for God. And uh I tried to you know I tried to uh stay clean, I tried to do what I'm supposed to do. The conviction was there. It was just uh you know any time that I did something that was wrong, it was just I mean it was he- it was laid heavy on me. And um uh, and I tell you there was so much in my life that I missed in those younger years. And when I came here to promised land and, uh, and I'd say my mother, she really, uh, she really put some fear in me and wanted me to act right and really talked to me about it. I probably didn't get as many whippings as I should have, but I got a few. And, but after I was saved, I got so many by God to the point that, you know, I was really confused. You know, what am I doing wrong? But when I, when I met Dina, she had always been a member of this church and you know, and she kinda coached me into, you know, won't you go to church with me? Well, just like always, it's always because you want to sit by your girlfriend at church or you know, it's it's not about the service, it's not about God, you know, it's about just being there with someone. And but as I grew in this church I found out And it was probably by the time I was 28 years old that I really realized what I had. And I think and I lived all those years and I had something so great and I wouldn't even use it. I had something that I could tell someone and I wouldn't even tell them. And um, salvation is the greatest gift and the greatest thing you can ever have. I don't care. I don't care how nice a car you got or how fine a home you live in. Uh, you just soon have a tent and a bicycle to ride because salvation is so much greater than all that. I mean, it's, it's everything. And as a Christian, it's the only thing we got to stand on. I don't know how people live their life without Christ. I don't know how people, uh, can lose a loved one and not know who to look to. And, uh, I've learned more at this church than I ever learned the whole, my younger years, my whole life. I learned more about myself by studying, which I don't do enough of. But by reading God's Word, uh, I learned so much about myself. Is it still confusing? Yes. Very much so. Because there's times in my life where I wonder, well, have I been a good enough father? Have I been a good enough husband? And I've made many, many mistakes in that. And I still do. I still do. But to know that I've always got someone to look to and to say, God, you know, you've, you've got to help me out here. You've got to do this for me. And I, I told a man here the other day, he, he, he praised me on something that I had done for him. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and thanked me for it. And I said, let me tell you something. Uh, I'm nothing. I'm nothing without Christ. I, I can't do anything if it wasn't for God. And that's the truth. I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. I don't know where I would be without that. So if you uh, think, well, all this is really confusing, well, guess what? I still, I think the same way. And I've been a member of this church for 26 years. But I've learned a lot right here. Don't come here to church because you're looking, you're just looking for the blessing just to be poured upon you. You've got to come here ready for it. And if when you go out in this world and you think that everything is just, oh, it just ain't going right, you look at yourself first. Don't look at everybody else around you. Don't look for who you work for. You look at yourself first. And you see, well, where am I at in my Christian walk? Am I saved? You know? When I see people that live a terrible life I always wonder were they saved where's the conviction but you know don't get down on other people because your life's not right you better look you better search yourself first and that's what I always do if I fail as a father then it's my fault if I fail as a husband it's my fault and uh, I always look at myself thank you
1: Thank you, Brother Jeff. We're going to have an invitation time now. I'm going to ask our pianist and Brother Norman to make their way up here. And I know we've gone about 15 minutes longer than I normally go. But uh, I thank these ladies and gentlemen for helping me preach this sermon. It's still it's the message of God's Word. He can change your life. And even if you're saved and backslidden, He can change your life again. He's still in there. If you're saved, He's still knocking. He's still wanting control. He's still wanting back in the driver's seat. You cannot lose your salvation, but you can kick the Lord over in the closet and say, I'm driving now. And uh, He's still in your heart. But we think we have to control it. We're not letting Him control it. And uh, Rahab said, no, 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 no. I've heard of this God. And I accept Him as my Savior. And Joshua showed compassion on her. And her whole family. Listen to this real quick before we sing. You know what? Rahab's choice affected her entire family. Your choices will affect your entire family. You've heard that. Brother Jimmy and Mister Van, Robert and Jeff and even Caleb and Hayden poured out their hearts This morning. I thank them for sharing. Maybe things that weren't easy to share, but I had them on my mind. And I knew what God had brought them through. I knew what God had done. Let God work
3: in your life.